Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. As we come this sunrise service, we'll be to you. I thank you for the gifts and calling. I thank you for these people. Now hide me behind the cross as I endeavor to break your bread of life. In Jesus' name, amen. We have gathered here this morning to honor the author and the finisher of our faith. And with that in mind, our focus should be on what this day really means. No matter what you call it, Easter or Resurrection Sunday. It is one of the most celebrated Christian holiday all over the world. And rightly so. For those of us who believe that Jesus was the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, who was God in the flesh, entered into the mainstream of humanity to save us. Lived a sinless life. Died for, I said, this day should be special. Traditionally, we usually wear our best. Come to church, have special service, get up early. Go home to a special meal that we prepare for the occasion. Many churches have Easter egg hunt and chocolate bunnies. And they can all have significance if we put them in the right perspective. I heard something the other day. My wife was sharing me how the Messianic Jews, they have a, a celebration where they put a little yeast and some dough and put it in a napkin and they go hide it. By the time that the kids find it, it has resurrected into something. So the egg and the bunny implies abundant life. Chocolate can go with that old him, sweet Jesus. So if you put these things in a proper perspective instead of criticizing, because all glory goes to the lamb. Because he made the chicken and the egg. I don't care which one came first. People come to church on this day more than any other day of the year. Christian and non-Christian alike. And we as Christians should not speak ill or look down on those who only come on this day. You see, coming on this day validates that this day is special. But truth be told, some who come most Sundays have no more knowledge about Jesus we honor today than those who only come on Easter. I want to relate to you an experience that I had a couple of weeks ago when I was mailing a package to our niece. I went to the post office. And there was only one customer ahead of me. And uh, 
I kind of got irritated because he and this clerk got in this long chit chat. They were both veterans, just like I was. And I had on my Air Force veteran hat. And they just kept on talking about their war experience and stuff. And, you know, I'm getting real upset by now. But I'm learning patience. And then as the conversation pursued between these two veterans, and this older guy and this younger female, he kind of looked in my direction, but he's talking to the clerk. He said, do you know him? And me and the clerk both thought he was referring to me. And she said, no, I don't. He said, no, I mean, do you know him? And to my amazement, she immediately says, are you talking about Jesus? He said, yes. She said, I know about him, but I'm Jewish. Hmm. See, she knew about him. She heard about him, but she really didn't know him. The truth is, until you spend some time with him, you won't know him. And we're not talking about just knowing about him. We're not talking about knowing of him. We're talking about knowing him, spending time with him is not the same as being with him. Can I say that again? Spending time with him is not the same as being with him. I'm going to give you a case in point. Philip. Recorded in John 14, 9, one of the deacons had asked Jesus to show us the Father. And this is Jesus' reply. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you and you still don't know me, Philip? As we look at this, I wonder how many people have been in church Sunday after Sunday saying, I spent time with the Lord, but you still don't know him. This is the point of our text. Luke's purpose in writing his gospel is to convince his reader, Theopolis, that Jesus, born as a carpenter's son of Mary and Joseph, was indeed the Messiah, the Son of God. But Luke, recognizing that the death of Jesus would be a stumbling block to convince Theopolis of who Jesus was, Luke ends his gospel in chapter 24 with validation of the resurrection. There are two people in chapter 24 that Luke identifies as followers of Jesus who had come to Jerusalem for their annual Passover feast. This feast was a special time for those of Jewish descent. It was filled with joy and celebration and commemorating the freedom that they had from Egypt. But while they were in Jerusalem, something had happened that turned their celebration into a nightmare. A time filled with horror and a time littered with broken dreams. You see, the one whom they hoped to be the Messiah had been brutally murdered 
by Roman crucifixion on a cross, and all of his followers began to scatter, including these two. Three days after this horrible event, something even more astounding was rumored all throughout the region. It was something that was too good to be true. They would soon find out that it was not a rumor. Friday they had experienced the, what we talked about Friday. We talked here about the betrayal. We talked about the denial. We talked about the trial. We talked about the market and the crucifixion and the tomb. And we ended Friday night, Good Friday service with these words, to be continued. So this morning, let me give you, as Paul Harvey would put it, the rest of the story. Join me now as we go through the scriptures and we look at Luke chapter 24. We kind of begin at verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. About 70 miles, seven miles rather, from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. The King James said their eyes were beholden. The idea behind that word is a divine intervention. Kept them from recognizing him. As these two walked, they were in deep conversation about what had happened. Then certainly a traveler joined with them. It is indeed the glorified Lord, but as I said earlier, they don't recognize him. Verse 17 says, And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you Walk, and they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleophas answered, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who do not know the things that have happened there in these days? Luke identifies one of these two disciples by name, Cleophas. And some believe that the other disciple with him was his wife, Mrs. Cleophas. Let's just use that term. And as I began to read this, it began to make sense that that may have been his wife. For so many years, I thought it was just another guy. But just follow the text. After Jesus' inquiry, uh, he said this. In verse 19, he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, words before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. I want you to notice something. Before the crucifixion, they believed that he was a Messiah. Now Cleopas simply identifies him as a prophet. You see, prophets can die. The Messiah they had their hope in because they 
had believed from Scripture that he would live forever. Still believing that Jesus was just a stranger, the two decided they wanted to give Jesus a news report. And this news report was the top news events of the day. But they didn't realize they were speaking to the one that was going to give them some good news. Because the news they were sharing was bad. Verse 25 says, And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, King James just simply say fools, and slow to heart to believe all that the prophet has spoken. I just want to look at that again. Oh, foolish ones, and slow to heart to believe all that the prophet has spoken. These people had access to scripture. They knew some things. They knew what it said, but they didn't know what it meant. Verse 26, Jesus says, was it not necessary that Christ should have suffered these things and enter into his glory. I'm amazed, Jeff, and I, I know you had mentioned this before, how all these people had access to what was written in the word of God, but they missed Jesus. These things that happened to Jesus was foretold, but they missed it. And I'm wondering how many of us who glance over the Bible see things or listen to the news and we get upset because we missed it. We haven't interpreted everything in the light of scriptures. Everything that's going on in the world, the news media up in Washington, is nothing that the Bible hadn't told us what is going to happen. And I have to guard myself when I begin to see things that goes against my grain and my own morality. When it comes to home, when it comes to people who the whole family structure is being destroyed. It's no longer, no longer acceptable to just have a husband and wife and 3.2 kids. Anybody can be a family. It bothers me, and don't get me wrong, I'm not an animal hater, but it bothers me when I hear people say, and, and he is poo poo, he's another member of our family. I'm sorry, he's still a dog. I don't care how much you love him. I remember having a dog named Lady. My first dog that somebody stole. I loved it. I cried when somebody stole it. I remember having another dog named BC that, that, you know, somehow went mad and police had to kill him and I buried it. I loved those dogs, but their name wasn't Wilcoxon. And there, there's commercials on where, where two women are embracing, getting ready to kiss, and they cut it off. There's a commercial on that, that men, two men are raising a girl, little baby girl. That stuff upsets me. But if I don't learn to interpret that in light of scripture, I go crazy worried about it. These things are supposed to happen. So he tells them it was necessary for Christ to die. And get this in verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them all the scriptures that these things concerning himself. 
we got a lot of people that are totally deceived when it comes to biblical teaching. They're educated. They can understand. And whenever somebody begins to try to teach the Bible, they want to view it with their own education, saying, like, he's just a man like him. She's just a woman like him. Folks, that's why God gave spiritual gifts to the church. There are some people that are gifted to be able to interpret scripture, and other people can't. It's, it's, it's just like the gift that my wife had would sometimes just irritate me to no end. She has the gift of mercy showing. I don't. I'm just going to be honest. I don't. I don't see things like she sees. I'm incapable of feeling the way she feels. So when she be saying some things to me about some of the things that I think about, like give them another chance, or she, she justifies sometimes some people action, I'm ready to kick them to the curb. That's her gift. There are some people that's gifted with these little kids. They can, they can sit around these little kids all day and they don't bother them. They just don't bother them. To me, it runs me up the wall. But that's their gift. There are some people that will speak to anybody, anywhere, any corner about Jesus. And that will bug you too. All you got to do is hang around where I'm walking a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? But that's his gift. He can't do nothing else. Hallelujah. So when, when Jesus now, the, the often finished of our faith, the worry himself, He's interpreting scripture. Apparently, these people could not see the light until somebody gave it to them. Jesus called these people foolish and slow. I want you to know something about this word food because there's a scripture in in the Bible that says, Call no man food. So I want you to make you understand something. Jesus did not use the same word that he used in two other paths, two other paths you may know. Passage about the five foolish virgins. And then there's another passage about the man who built his house on sand. He called them foolish. And that interpretation of that particular word, it means stupid. But that's not the word he used here. The word he used here does not imply lack of intelligence, but instead implies the need for wisdom. It was a fitting response to their lack of trust in the scriptures. They were saddened because Christ had died, but they didn't have the light of scripture. And Jesus said, you're slow. You need wisdom. Then Jesus gave him a Bible study lesson. Starting with Moses and the prophet. He connected his death and resurrection with the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. It's there. It's been there, Jeff. But they didn't get it until he connected. It's just like the Ethiopian unit. He didn't get it until, until Philip then began to share with them. There are just special people that's gifted, folks. We have to accept that. And nobody like Jesus could 
share the scriptures. Verse 28 says, and then they drew near the village where they were going. He indicated he was going to go farther, but they constrained him. That word means they begged him. They implored him, no, don't go, like grabbing his hand, saying, abide with us for toward evening. What they did here, they invoked Jewish culture where you take care of a stranger that's traveling. They were at home now. That's why it leads to believe that this may have been Cleophas' wife with him. They invited Jesus into their home for the evening, and there they shared a common meal. You probably heard me mention about Jewish hospitality before. Jesus was a guest in their home, so that meant they had to prepare a meal. Now, preparing a meal takes time. I think it was a couple of Sundays ago I told you about our friend Sally that invited us over and hadn't even took the chicken out of the refrigerator. <laughs> I want you to think about this. In Jewish culture, when they went home and they are going to have a meal, let's just say they're going to have lamb and, and uh, unleavened bread. The lamb is still out in the field. If you think about it, when Abraham saw those angels, they went, he said, go and send the fatted calf. Some of y'all need to be a little bit more country. When, 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 when granddad and uncle went out and rabbit hunting, they brought that rabbit. That rabbit came with fur and everything else. Somebody had to pull that skin off, get them buckshot out, clean him up, flour him down, then cook him. That didn't happen by going to McDonald's. It wasn't, it wasn't a quick thing. It took time. So during this time of preparing meal, talking about open kitchen, they had an open kitchen. Jesus is sharing with them and they're sharing with Jesus. They are spending time with the master and he's spending time with him. Verse 37, and it came to pass as he sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. Something, something ain't right with this. You see, normally once the meal was prepared, the host would sit their guests down and they would serve them first. See, that's why we get that thing when the old preacher used to come to the house. You didn't eat. Some of y'all know about that too. Some of y'all older folks. You didn't do nothing to that preacher got that last drumstick. And some of y'all been married preachers ever since. But that's not what happened. They didn't serve Jesus. Jesus served them. He began to take the bread. He broke it. The Bible says he blessed it. That simply means he gave thanks. And he gave it to them. And when he did that, something 
amazing happened. Verse 31 said, then their eyes were open and they knew him. Yeah, he vanished out of that sight, but I really want to focus on after they broke bread with him. After they spent those hours with him, then they knew him. The word knew has several applications in the New Testament. Grasp exactly, completely, to recognize, to learn, find out, ascertain, perceive, and understand. Now, debates are endless as to what caused them to recognize the risen Lord as their guest. It's possible that the apostles had told them that when we were there with him, he broke bread and gave us this commandment. This is my body. It's broken for you. But the most often accepted view is that when he broke bread, he lifted up his hand and they could see the nail scar hand. But whatever reason it was, they knew him. They had invited Jesus in their home because they were thankful and wanted to feed him. But instead, they got fed themselves. The only way to know him, my brothers and sisters, is to spend time with him. By opening up the scriptures. Hmm. Many people today don't open their Bibles except on Sundays, if then. I'm all for technology. My wife will tell you I'm a techie. And it's good to have the Bible on your phone. But if the only time you do it is in church, and the only reason you do it because you know somebody around the church is going to look at you and, and say something, you go, oh, and they's done to me. Oh, I got the Bible. When you're really texting. Looking at apps, but you want to use that as an excuse? See, these modern tech uh, uh, devices can be used as an excuse. I'm not advocating you bring your Bible, you do whatever you want to do, because that's between you and God. I do know this, though. The only way to know him is going to be through his word. Now, I challenge you, for all you guys that do have tablets and phones with Bible apps, Take a list of how much time you spend on Facebook compared to the time you spend looking at his word. See, I don't know all the, all the technology, even some of the little tech shortcuts. BTW, by the way, I'm still learning that stuff. <laughs> but I guarantee a lot of kids know all of them and then some. And some of those. Why? Because they spend time texting. And they know all that. Some of them know all their friends by heart. But you ask them to name the 12 disciples and they can't. They go on talk about their experience after Jesus 
had vanished. In verse 32. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us on the road. And while he opened up the scripture to us. Before your heart can burn, you got to open it up. And I'm wondering, is there anyone here willing to open up their heart to the Lord? And basically say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. I am believing that he will. Answer your prayer. Let us stand. Even though I recognize most of you, I'm compelled to Give an invitation to discipleship. Because some of you may have known about him, but you don't know him in the pardon of your sin. So as the out ministers come and join me now, I want to ask all of you to search your heart. There's someone here that don't know Christ. Here's your opportunity to come to know him. Church family, if you will read with me our sinner's prayer, because we all fall in that category. Some of us just saved. Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God whom was raised from the dead. I confess that you died for my sin. Please have mercy on me and forgive me and come and live within me this day. If that's one today. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.